Episode 54 of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Omnipod. You know Omnipod, the world's only tubeless insulin pump. Nothing you hear on the Juice Box Podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Time to call Christine. Christine? Yes. Hey, Scott Benner. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm okay. You sound nervous. I am. You are? Christine was originally misdiagnosed with type 2 diabetes before they figured out she had type 1. She bumped into a couple of doctors and nurses that didn't know what they were doing. She had a lot of anxiety. It's a lot of stuff that she's overcome. It's a really great story and uh, an interesting conversation. So, uh, that's it. Pull up a chair, put in your headphones, do whatever you do, grab a saltine. Trust me, this episode is crackers. I'm very interested to talk to you. I have a bunch of notes for you. And um, <laughs> it's okay. It's just about you. You already know the answer, so it's not that difficult, really. Yeah, I know. I'm... I'm dealing with some high numbers this morning, so I'm a little stressed out about that too. So, well, let's talk it's about just uh, not just you. No, that's <laughs> fine. So, listen, we'll, we'll start. We'll start easy. Um, what's your name? My name is Christine. <laughs> See, and um, you were diagnosed with type one diabetes when you were thirty-three years old. I'm thirty-seven now. A little over four years ago. About four years. Okay. So let's, before we start, what, what went on? Were you high overnight or did you wake up and did breakfast mess you up? What happened? Oh, this morning? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm trying currently to figure out how to eat this really good oatmeal recipe. Right. And some days I really do well and other days I don't. Okay. So, and I just started my um, Dexcom G5 yesterday. I had, a, I had like three problems yesterday, so I gave up and then restarted a sensor this morning. And so then right when you called it, it wanted me to calibrate. So I was kind of, um, well, go ahead and I cal- get anxious about all this stuff. All right, so. well, listen, listen, let's make everything easy for you. So do you still need to calibrate? No, I'm good. You did that. Okay. Yeah. And you've got this oatmeal recipe that you enjoy eating, but you're having difficulty bolusing for it. And, and what does that mean? Yeah, because... Well, okay, so I found this really good, uh, it's peanut butter banana oatmeal. Okay. And it, uh, with, you know, with the added healthy fat and protein from the peanut butter, Mm -hmm. it doesn't hit you as fast. Okay. You know, but I'm having just some trouble, like, um, certain days I'm really good and I have great numbers and other day, and it might be the, the anticipation of the interview today, but <laughs> well, that could be right. If you're nervous, maybe I should have raised my basil this morning. Cause I knew I'd be nervous. I don't know. So. It's a good, it's a good tip. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, so what's that? So do you pre bolus your meals? I do. Uh, okay. And how far out do you pre bolus? Uh, it, at least 20 minutes. That's beautiful. And, uh, what was your blood sugar before you ate the oatmeal this morning and pre bolus? It was one eleven. See, you okay? So a good start. What time was this? So it's, right. a, it's ten o'clock your time now. What time did this happen? Uh, well, it was two hours ago, or an hour ago. Okay, 
So you get twenty one hour, twenty minutes. <laughs> so, so twenty minute pre bolus, right? For a one eleven. Yep. Then you had the oatmeal. What were you assuming the carbs were? Uh, I think fifty eight or sixty. Okay, and gave yourself your insulin and ate the oatmeal. When did you see the blood sugar start going up? Uh, well, I'm one eighty now, and it's been an hour, okay. so I missed something. Yeah, but that's not terrible, though. That's not. I know. I know. That's not like. <laughs> that's not. That's not a horror. That's just you just missed it a little bit, and maybe. You no, know, but on certain days, like my two-hour number is eighty-nine after I eat oatmeal, and I don't do anything different. And that's what's so frustrating for me is just the trial and error and how you can figure something out, and then it totally doesn't work for you know reasons you have no idea. Right. So. <laughs> but I think that so I I would say that that's just part of the it's a very unpleasant part of diabetes. So, but with the Dexcom. What I would say is that on the days that that happens, you're going to be able to see a spot where you're going, wow, it's going up where it didn't go up the last time I had it. Like the, the time well, I. That is ex- yeah, that's exactly why. Because from listening to your podcast, because I, I had taken a break from my CGM. Mm-hmm. And uh, after listening to your podcast, I'm like, okay, I need to just suck it up and do this because I need to figure out how to eat the foods I really that are healthy, that I really enjoy. You right, know? right. And, and so what I'm thinking is, is that on a day like today, when you start seeing a spike in this oatmeal where you wouldn't normally see it on a day when you would be 89 two hours later, I would probably bolus more insulin then. Right, right. You, you know, instead, and just stop the arrow, like, like find a way to stop the arrow and then deal with whatever happens afterwards. But still, yeah. 180 after a bunch of oatmeal is not a tragedy. You're doing a good job. I know. Yeah. I know. I'm pretty hard on myself about all this. <laughs> That's another part, too. I tend to stress myself out probably more than I need to. Were you a stressy person before the diabetes? Um, A little bit. But this just kind of sent me over the edge, I think. Okay. Um, do you see... Not that I'm like this crazy person that can't handle things, <laughs> just, but... <laughs> just randomly running into walls and then hitting them three right, or four right. times before you walk away. No, but but I understand what you're saying. So, I mean, you're trying to take good care of yourself. You want to be a healthy person. And this makes it more difficult. And you're feeling the stress of that. Are you... Yeah. Um, are you coupled? Are you married? Or do you live with somebody? Are you on your own? Like, is that... Um, I'm married. And I'm trying to think for... We got married in 2006. We've been together since like '98, so we've been together like 17 years. How how involved is um, your husband with the with the diabetes? Is he? I'm always very um, interested is, in this. He is. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that yesterday, and I I thought I should mention to you. You should probably talk to him um, because he is wonderful. Oh. Um, he is super super supportive, and then at this at the same time, he's probably going a little bit crazy because. Um, I'm nuts. Like I, <laughs> you, <know. laughs> you guys but are I like think, check mix, checks mix. He started out well, as a pretzel. Yeah, <laughs> he's very calm. Right. And things don't tend to get to him, and I'm the exact opposite. So, so his uh, his desire for his desire for you to be happy is, is stressing him out. Then, so he he's, I think yeah. Well, when all this first happened he was just really angry and he didn't have anybody to be angry at because it was nobody's fault that I got this sure. disease. So, um, and he, what's interesting is that he can just give a viewpoint of, you know, uh, give me some perspective because I'm doing it for myself all the time. And he can kind of look in from the outside and say, well, what about, 
this or why are you looking at it that way or, you know, I see. looking yeah. at it that way. And you find that helpful? Good. That's excellent. I mean, you got to have support somewhere. So it's nice that it's meshing together. It's nice that you're yeah. crazy has made him stressed out enough to care about your diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully he doesn't have any health problems because I stress him out. <laughs> You'll just yell he's at him. Pretty, he's, he's pretty laid back. So I don't think he's, um, you know, I don't think it's affecting because he can handle a lot. So. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's excellent. It's great to have somebody like that with you. Um, yeah. And so you talked about in your email, so you emailed to say that you really liked the podcast, and then you started saying a bunch of reasons how it was helping you. And I thought, well, this is interesting. So, um, yeah. but first, you mentioned that your diagnosis was stressful, but I imagine you understand that everyone's diagnosis is stressful. So I'm thinking yours must have been extra stressful um, for you to say that. Like, so how 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 was it different than than maybe some? Well. Um, okay, well, first of all, just a little bit of backstory. Because um, I, I have some perspective now. It's been about four years. So I can kind of look back and see where things started to get a little weird. But I didn't have any severe symptoms. Um, weird little things were happening kind of a couple years prior to my diagnosis. And the first thing that I noticed was my uh, hair was falling out, like my where you part your hair on top of your head, my part was getting bigger. And this was a pretty big deal to me because I've always had like thick hair. <laughs> so I knew something wasn't right, but I kind of figured stress or there's a, a ton of reasons why that could have been something happening. Might be happening. So, um, but I had also, you know, gone for like my yearly eye exam and my eye doctor had said that my eye pressure was high. And now that also kind of ran in my family. So he was like, well, we'll watch it. And they, they do certain like visual field tests and things like that because uh, that's a sign of glaucoma or, you know, starting to get glaucoma. Right, so, so they're going to keep an eye on it. But he did mention at that time that it, it could be a sign of diabetes. And I kind of was like, I don't have diabetes. Like, why would I have diabetes? <laughs> that doesn't make any <laughs> so, sense. <laughs> right. Cause I, and I had no other symptoms or anything, you know, weird going on. So um, I had started a new job and it, this was, I trying to think. So I started a new job. I was there for about a month. And then some other weird things started happening where um, my husband and I would actually joke about it because he would take a glass of water, like when he went to bed and put it on his nightstand. And I was waking up in the middle of the night and drinking it. And so it became this kind of joke. You know, he'd be like, do you want your own water? I'm like, no, I'll just drink it. <laughs> Yours is working you know? fine. <laughs> right. So, again, it was only at night. So it wasn't like I was drinking a ton during the day or going to the bathroom a lot. I was just thirsty at night. So because all these things kind of got weirder and weirder, I went, I was overdue for a physical, so I went for a physical. And... Um, they, they ran all the regular, you know, labs, blood tests and all that stuff. So a week later, a nurse calls me and tells me that she had my results and my fasting blood sugar was 280. And I'm, I said, okay, you know, what does that mean? Right. And so she says, well, you really shouldn't eat any refined sugars. That's a, such a strange answer. Bread or 
or, you know, don't eat crackers. Like, okay. So I said, all right. Are you you going to the doctor at the mall? (laughs) (laughs) Apparently I didn't choose a very good uh, place. So anyway, so she tells me to adjust my diet. And she's, she also said, like, my triglycerides were high, and the doctor wanted to start me on cholesterol, you know, medication. He, I think he kind of wanted to address the cholesterol issue, but I've never had high triglycerides or cholesterol, like, in my life. Yeah. So I knew something was out of whack. Well, she wouldn't really give me any information, but mm-hmm. I was supposed to come in the next week to see the doctor. So... I hung up the phone with her and I immediately went online and completely freaked out. You know, I'm like 280 is high and am I going to go into a coma? Like I didn't understand. <laughs> I was just wondering, did you freak out because you realized your doctor's office was terrible or because you thought you had diabetes? <laughs> well, okay. So I probably should have said too, like I grew up with pretty serious asthma. Okay. And you know, we don't have necessarily type 1 diabetes in our family, but we have a lot of autoimmune diseases. Right. So I had kind of been through medical situations before, or I've had to fight with doctors. I've had to fire a lot of doctors. So, and I, this was not like, I didn't have a primary care doctor at the time. I kind of chose him and just went for the physical. So I didn't really know ahead of time if this place was any good. So... Well, um, now I'm wondering, is the hair falling out, is that a thyroid situation? Did no, you, did you, I, <laughs> I, that's where I thought you were going to go with it. As soon as I got my sugars under control. That stopped. And that was, that's a whole thing. My hair came back. My triglycerides are no longer high. Like, so it was all related to whatever was going on with my sugar. So, so. once you got the doctor past the idea that, that, that your blood sugar being high wasn't just needed to be treated with crack, not eating crackers anymore. Did, did they immediately diagnose you as type one or did they think you were type two or what did they do? Well, I really had to advocate for myself. Um, and I did that by basically scaring myself by reading as much online as I could because I could weed through some of the information, figure out what maybe applied to me and go back and and bug the doctor. But when, after the nurse called with my results, I went back to see him the next week. And it was after work, so um, it was like 4 or 5 in the evening. And they tested my blood sugar in the office, and it was 280. So he looks at me, and he's like, you are diabetic. And I said, well... I thought he was going to say, did okay. you eat crackers? Right, right, right. <laughs> so I said, okay, well, what type? Because I knew enough. I didn't you know were much, okay. reading up. But I knew type 2, I had a chance. And <laughs> type 1, it was like I knew it was insulin. Mm-hmm. Knew it was shots or, or injections and, or a pump. So he looks at me and says, well, I think you're type 2 because of your age. And I said, That's okay, so mm-hmm. what do I do? Right. So he prescribed um, metformin, which is, you know, like the most common type 2 diabetes medication. It's been around forever. Um, so I think he gave me a prescription to get a glucose meter and told me to test once a day, which would tell me nothing. So <laughs> <laughs> Once a day. My blood sugar is 150. I didn't know any better. <laughs> what do I do now? No, no. Right. Yeah. So is this guy still your doctor? 
No, no, no. Okay, good for you. Um, yeah. And so, okay, so it gives you the metformin. I'm assuming the metformin does not do what you're expecting it to do. Um, well, that's part of the, the stress, okay, yeah. because I came home and started the metformin, and within a day, I had such severe side effects. Do you mean abdominal of, issues? Yeah, yes. well, gastrointestinal. Right. I was having chest pains, and then... What happened was my vision was blurry. And I I had left work early um, because my vision got really messed up. It was like having, it was like for people who wear glasses, I had my glasses on, but my eyesight, like it was like I didn't have my glasses on. Or like when you have your eyes dilated after an exam and you can't see real clearly. So it freaked me out and I was at work. So I left work early and I called the doctor's office. And I got that same nurse, and she said, well, now that you're diabetic, because I told her, I said, well, I'm shaky, I can't see, I'm, my stomach's really upset, like, I right. feel awful. And she was like, well, when you get shaky, you should really drink some juice. I thought for diabetic. sure. I thought for sure she was going to say you should have a saltine. Right. <laughs> I thought this woman's every answer was crackers. I have to get off right, this right. subject. I'm mesmerized by the cracker statement. Um, and so, <laughs> so now the so now the metformin's making your blood sugar low. I'm assuming. No. No. That's the thing. Well, it, okay. It's kind of hard to say it all in order because it was a crazy time. But when I was diagnosed as type one, my A1C was thirteen point five. And so there is no way I was low. And she was telling me to drink juice. And my numbers were in the two and three hundred. So she didn't say to test your blood sugar. She said just if you feel dizzy, drink juice. Yeah. Not test your blood sugar. Right. Wow. Because that's all it would have taken, right? Test and see if you're low. And if you're low, drink juice. But that's not what happened. (laughs) Man, that's so crazy. And so fast forward. So so you fast forward to. to a spot where you now know you're type one and you have a meter and you are taking care of yourself and you're, you're doing things like that. Did the stress that this dis- disaster of a, of a diagnosis, did it lessen for you at all? Or did it push you into a spot and you kind of got stuck in it? Well, part of it too was um, when I went back to work, uh, I hadn't told anybody except my manager that <clears throat> this was all going on because I had to call in. And uh, I missed a, a, a lot of work. And when I came back, my whole department knew that I had diabetes. So within those two, like first two days back, I got every comment, every scary story, everything that most of us complain about hearing from people in this like condensed amount of time. People just ran up to you. My grandmother's feet fell off. What? Stop. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. I'm not no, kidding. I, I know. I know. <laughs> so, yeah. So the stress, like, didn't stop for me because, well, okay. Well, the, so, the stressor just, it, it changed a little bit. You, you get somebody else doing something to you now. Instead of the doctor giving you bad information, now you've got co with everyone. Well, not only just, you know, such an interesting thing. Not only are coworkers coming up to and talking to you like that, but your boss told everybody your medical situation. Right, right, right. Unbelievable. Was, yeah. yeah. It was really bad. <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable. It really is. Um, so, well, anyway, okay. If I go back to, again, this doctor, the primary care guy I saw, 
none of this was working. And my, I kept testing. I tested more than just once a day, by the way. I looked online and said, okay, you should test before meals and after meals. And so, and by the way, too, I had immediately, like, basically stopped eating carbs altogether. Just because I you... I became afraid of crackers. I gotcha. <laughs> so... I, anyway, I kept going, I kept calling and going back. And so anyway, I went back to him and he finally said, well, I can put you in the hospital or send you to an endocrinologist. And so I said, well, send me to the endo because I don't want to be in the hospital. And um, the endocrinologist I saw took look one, one look at my numbers and said, I'm 95% sure you are a type 1 diabetic. Yes. And I said, Okay. You know, but I was also devastated because this whole time I was thinking, you know, maybe I could make some changes and do something, but I couldn't. So, um, but I finally had an answer. Yeah, sure. Which is, and, is relieving. Right. And uh, my husband had come with me to this appointment because he had to drive me. I was still on the metformin and I couldn't really see to drive. And um, I remember the nurse, uh, the, the doctor explained, like, I'm going to give you long-acting insulin, and the nurse is going to come in and teach you how to give yourself an injection. And I was like, I just looked at my husband and said, you know, you really need to pay attention because I can't see. So I couldn't focus enough to even pay attention to what she was showing me. So that was stressful, too, as well as, you know, you talk about the fear of going on insulin and having low blood sugar. Um she had to give me all the information because I think they legally have to once you start insulin to, to tell you symptoms of high blood sugar and low blood sugar. And so I said, well, what about at night while I'm sleeping? And she, she said, well, most people wake up, but I can't promise you that you'll wake up. So then I went home with this fear of going to sleep. And like I was going to die because of a low blood sugar. <laughs> so, so Christine, I, I, I think that, your story is going in a way that I didn't expect it to. So you oh, are, you sorry. are, you're a real, you're, no, you're a really great example of how, how bad healthcare can take a problem and make it a hundred times worse. Yes. I feel very still kind of scarred by the whole experience. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, and so, and so not only are you getting bad advice and the wrong medication, but you're forced to go out on your own to find out the right information, which leads you down paths that you don't need to be taken down as you're being diagnosed with something. Um, you know, there's, there's certainly a way to give somebody good information without scaring the hell out of them. And so, and so I, I can understand you being stressed out. Like I can understand it be, being <laughs> worse than it needed to be. And it was already going to be bad. Like somebody had already said to you, Hey, you have diabetes. Like it wasn't going to be like a big fun time for you. And right, so, right. and so they, they magnified it. That's, that's horrible. Like it really yeah. is horrible. Like I just keep thinking like, did you move out of the state? I might've left the state. <laughs> I might've said, honey, we live in the wrong place. Apparently like we have to go. Um, and yeah. because, because I do wonder sometimes, you know, you're online and you hear some people have like, we have an amazing situation with my daughter's, um, school. And then in the next breath, I'll look over my shoulder on the internet and someone's fighting with the school for their kid and the things the school's saying are are unbelievable like they're they're yeah. they're they're patently unbelievable i was reading on facebook in a private group the other day about a school that just took a kid on a 
you know, they took the whole school on a walk to like a to, to like some nearby location without telling the mom. And the nurse didn't go. And, and, and the, oh, the extent wow. of the medical care the kid got was the nurse gave him candy and said, if you get dizzy, eat this and we'll figure it out later. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. wow, how, does, how do we have such diametrically opposite experiences? Like, how, how are the experiences not a little balanced? And yours is, is really weighted in the wrong direction. It's, it's crazy. Right. Well, and I'm, I'm scared now. When I have regular doctor, like I see a lot of specialists and I still haven't found a good primary care, but if I don't know the doctor or if I'm going for a new reason or something, I really, I have to raise my basil to go to the doctor because I get so nervous and upset and scared that they're not going to tell me the right information. Or <laughs> And then you're going to get led you know, down this crazy road where you have to go figure it out again. And, and you, you want to trust somebody. You'd like to make an adjustment that works quickly. That's that really. So how long did it take you to decide I'm going to get an insulin pump? Like, like, I'm assuming you mainly did this on your own. So um, how did you come to that conclusion and and how long from your diagnosis time until you did it? Well, because of my situation at work, not being supportive. um, And at the beginning, I was just on long acting insulin. I was not taking fast acting with meals and the, because. Go ahead. <laughs> I can't imagine what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, it explains a lot about why I'm such a kind of a stressed out person. But um, the endocrinologist that I saw explained that I would have a honeymoon phase. Right. And explained to me, too, that if I uh, continued to exercise and lose weight and adjust my diet, that I could possibly prolong my honeymoon phase. And so what I was doing is essentially using exercise and movement after meals as my fast-acting insulin. Was that working? Um, it, it was. I, it was really hard. Like, I had some background in nutrition. I'd taken a couple of classes in college. So I knew... Um, Okay, again, I'm sorry, I keep going back, but when I first saw that primary care doctor and he diagnosed me as type 2, he had sent me to a registered dietitian. And they put me on this pretty strict low-carb diet. It was like 30 carbs per meal with two 15-carb snacks throughout the day. And I followed this to the lever. And so I kept thinking in my head, like, okay, if I can make this last longer where I just have to basically be really active and exercise and take care of myself and take one shot a day and restrict my diet, I could do that. Like I was willing to do that. But then on the other side of it, knowing that this all was going to end through the honeymoon, you know, after the honeymoon, I was devastated because, but it gave me some time to kind of prepare myself too for multiple injections or a pump. So. You're making me feel like I, I, I want to say to everyone listening, whether you're a doctor or no matter what walk of life you're in, if someone asks you something and you don't know the answer, just say you don't know. You, you, you know, yeah. don't, don't, don't guess. Don't go, well, maybe right. this will work. Hey, 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 Christine, why don't you go home and run around the living room after you have dinner? <laughs> Can I, I just have that. some insulin? I'm sure I'm you did. I'm you. That's what I did. <laughs> I hope everyone is now pitching you, picturing you jogging around the living room after you've eaten. 
Well, okay, I wasn't jogging, but I did Zumba. Like, I, I love to dance, so I used Zumba to manage my after-meal blood sugar. <laughs> well, and Zumba. Be careful. I'm some, serious. Some, 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 some pharma company will try to name an insulin after that. Um, so, okay, so, okay, so, geez, man, you just got... Every time you turned around, somebody wasn't helpful to you. But but somebody has been helpful now, right? Well, okay, wait. I'm trying to decide because I'm I looking at... I ask your pump question. No, 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 because I'm looking at my questions for you and I'm trying to decide, do we tell more stories where things don't go right for you or do we tell stories where things do go right for you? I was just thinking maybe this episode of the podcast, the ad should just be Omnipod sponsoring, listening to Basil snore. Let me turn up my mic. Ready? For such a small dog, he makes a lot of noise. And you know what? For such a small insulin pump, the Omnipod makes a lot of noise in the insulin pump world, too. You know what I'm talking about. Tubeless insulin pumps, no getting caught on anything, no one having to take off your pump for showering or swimming, anything like that. This thing is teeny, it's tiny, it works great, and it's very easy to conceal. Summer's coming, you are going to want to wear shorts and a little, you know, as they would have said in the 50s, a bippy top or something like that. Wow, there's a there's a reference. Um... You know, so when you're putting on your culottes and your bippy top, you don't want anybody to see your insulin pump. Yeah, that's right. Welcome to 1955 insulin pumping. No, seriously, you you really want to check out the, the Omnipod. So you go to myomnipod.com forward slash demo. You fill out a little bit of information. They'll send you a non-functioning demo pod that you can try out. You know, before you switch then or from your pump you have now or before you start pumping, you really know what you're getting yourself into, which is nothing because there's no tubes to get yourself into you understand what i'm saying also listen there's little linky click clicks in the uh, show notes and your player and on the uh, the blog that does help me when you click on those and uh you know we got to thank omnipod for sponsoring the show and for sponsoring basil snoring and for bringing you really carefree insulin pumping all right listen one more big snore and then back to christine Omnipod, bringing you tubeless insulin pumps and little dogs snoring on podcasts. Well, we're kind of getting to the point where it goes a little bit more right. Okay, okay. So you, so you figure out a pump is the right idea for you. Do you use online to figure that out? Or do you have a... Yeah. Do- you do. I did a lot of research. And I really didn't want something with tubes because I, like I said, I love to dance. I've danced pretty much my whole life. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't imagine how to be in a ballet class and have to either disconnect my pump or um, have it. Where was I going to put it if I'm wearing a leotard and tight? You're looking to not add add other issues to your day. Right, right. So um, I really fell in love with Omnipod. Oh, okay. um, So I... I had done the research and I'd gone to like, they had a pump night at, um, that, uh, well, I have at this point too, I have a different endocrinologist. Mm-hmm. You get out of the strip mall. Um, you went to a different doctor. Right? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, the endo I have now is awesome. Uh, he, he's, he's super smart and he's very supportive and he respects that I educate myself. Excellent. And trust, you know, that's beautiful. Um, so it all worked out. But anyway, so I went to the um, pump night and they, you know, each manufacturer or pump company does a little presentation. 
And they also had a patient there who was on a pump who talked about how it changed his life. And um, again, I just really wanted Omnipod. And so the next step in that was to go, like you had to go for your, for pump, well not pump training, but like pre-pump training classes where you learn how to count carbs and. um, There's a whole process. Yeah. And then my, my first one, my first appointment for that I was with a CDE who really, they didn't even have an Omnipod to show me. And she was very negative about Omnipod. And then she tried to talk you out of your choice. Yeah, exactly. That's great. That happens to a lot of people. It happened to us and it happens to a lot of people. And I think in the end, it comes down to the person you're talking to has a, has a comfort level with a certain pump. And they want to push you onto that pump because then right. they, they feel comfortable with it. It's got. No, I totally little, agree. Yeah. I don't yeah. think it was meant to be, you know, mean or, or vicious or anything. I right. think she just didn't know. Yeah. I think she didn't have access. So. And that's something. I, totally agree with I think that. that's something when I talk to, um, Shacy from Insulet, I believe that's something we talked about, which was the idea that they need to educate office is better because I think some people are trying to dissuade um, patients from taking their product because they just don't understand it enough to, to die, to, to, to give it out and support it then. So, right. Right. When did you find, this is interesting. You're like a memory lane of the podcast. When did you, <laughs> when did you find Jenny Smith and, and reach out to integrated diabetes? Okay. So, um, I was working with, um, a diabetes educator at my endo's office. It's a different one. Um, and she was wonderful, but she's only there part-time and she has so many patients. She just doesn't have the time to like, one of my big things was I really wanted to know how to eat pizza, okay. especially because I hadn't been eating like any carbs in two years. Or <laughs> yeah, right. After the cracker so moratorium, really... you're like, I'd like to have some pizza. Well, cause I went from being on just one shot a day of long acting insulin to going on my pump. So that in itself was like a whole different animal. And then also, you know, I kept getting these great A1Cs and they're like, you're doing great. And I'm like, but I'm not really eating normally. And I really want to eat normal food. You know, <laughs> I'd like to eat if you don't mind. So, How do we work that right. out? Well, and then everybody loves me because it's like, oh, you're the best patient. You're doing great. And I'm like, but I'm miserable. Like, I'm just miserable. I had sawdust for dinner last night. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, right? Because at work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. At work, I would eat lunch, and I'd find a reason to have to, like, go downstairs and run back up just to be moving after I ate. Okay, so that's how crazy I was. But I did not understand. I mean, how could I understand? Like, I'm so new to all this, and yeah, I kept yeah, getting sure. weird information. So. Yeah. Well, it, it's really striking anyway. me too. It's striking me too that being an adult and being diagnosed is obviously different from being a child and having a parent with you in a, in a bunch of different ways. But in this specific way, like there's no one there who's not being thrown right into the firestorm, like who doesn't have diabetes to, to step back out of it for a second and go, well, none of this makes any sense. You, you know, like, right. like, like, because you're so busy moment to moment trying to take care of yourself that you don't have the time to start second guessing everything that somebody has said to you. And, and right. you know, right. and that's, that's interesting because, because what it's telling me is that wherever you get put into this situation, wherever your drop in point is, whatever gear they give, give you when you drop in is the gear you start with. And it's probably the path you end up staying on unless you're 
able to break out of it on your own somehow or have somebody help you find a different doctor or look up, you know, look online or try to figure things out for yourself. It's, right, it's, it's right. interesting. Well, and that's the thing that people online were wonderful. Um, just wonderful. And, and I got so much good information. Like I said, some of it scared me because I was so new and I didn't really understand any of it. Mm-hmm. But, um, so those people out there, I mean, thank you. Thank you for helping me because that's the only, uh, place I could go <laughs> to get any good information or try to figure it out for myself. Yeah, so. because, because all it is, it's a, it's a real trickle down. You know, you say out loud into the, into the community that, you know, I'm getting this, this is what I'm being told. This is what's happening. And someone sees that and goes, uh, I had a bad doctor too, when I was diagnosed. And then they kind of point you in the right direction a little better. And yeah. it's kind of all you need sometimes. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, so anyway, after I started my, my, uh, Omnipod and I also started the Dexcom like a little bit before the Omnipod, um, because my, uh, CDE at my endo's office just didn't, you know, she just didn't have the time. She's a great person and I love her, but she just didn't have the time to spend with me to like teach me how to eat real food. Um, so I decided I, cause I watch on two diabetes, uh, Gary Shiner does these video interviews Yeah, and they are just filled with wonderful information. Like I got so much information from that. And so I decided to call integrated, um, to kind of help me learn more about my pump and really, she really coached me through how to eat pizza. And then <laughs> that's what I kind of realized too. Like, okay, people can tell me what they think I should do, but I have to just trial and error do this. And I absolutely hate that part because I hate not having control over it or not knowing, you know? So It really is. I mean, I, I found for me that you, you do, I do much better when I just have given myself over to the idea that this isn't always going to work out the right way, you know, the the, the way I want it to. And then how do I adjust to that as quickly as possible and keep blood sugars as close to where I want them as possible without letting in all the drama? Like, you know, like I know I've said it before, but like, you know, there's just no sense in you walking around your living room, you know, with your hands on your head, squeezing your head going, oh, my God, I did everything right. Why did this not work? I think it just yeah. has to be like, wow, this didn't work today. What's the next logical step? Let's do it. You, you know, and well, and, and I think move. that's something that's really hard for people to do, and you have to be able to get to that point. I'm still not at that point. Mm-hmm. And it's been, you know, been on Omnipod and Dexcom for I think two or three years now. So, what do you think stops you from getting there? Myself, I'm in the way of myself constantly, and I and. Well, really, in listening to the podcast, what I've been realizing is that I've been really thinking negatively about this. Like, I I look at my pump, and I'm like, I don't want to wear this. And my Dexcom, and I'm like, it's just too much information, you know. And if you just change and be a little more positive and grateful that you have this to use to to be alive and, and do things, then it just changes your mindset and like I felt like a weight had been literally lifted off my shoulders just by, I was like kind of binge listening to the podcast to get caught up. And so. <laughs> Thank you. I never thought I anyone would say so that. so much better, you know, just, okay. Like I don't have to be negative. Like I don't have to think about it this way because yeah. I, I get stuck. I get stuck in that cycle. And so it, and it is such a balance when you're putting the information out too, because somebody just said to me the other day, 
you know, I need to hear from you a little bit that Arden's blood sugar is high sometimes. And I was like, okay, we'll talk about, I'll, I'll do like a small episode and I'll talk, just talk about that. And he said, because I just, you know, mine gets high and, you know, you don't talk about hers being high that often. And I think I do. Like, I think I pepper it in. But the point of all this isn't to, to run around going, you know, well, here's what went wrong today. Here's what went wrong today. Because if you do that enough times, you turn into Eeyore. You know, and then right. you're just then you're just like everything's horrible when everything's not horrible. Even if even if a lot of stuff goes wrong today, everything's not horrible. And right. and I would tell you that if I pulled up Arden's graph from yesterday, yesterday was like the end of her of her insulin pump. So we had to, you know, it came off. So for what I'm gonna just guess is about eighteen hours of the day, Arden's blood sugar was somewhere between seventy five and mainly about 130. But for about four hours, at the very end when that pump just gave up, you know, and I probably left it on an hour too long, trying to get away with just getting through one more meal. You know, her blood sugar popped up, it went to like 300, and you know, then we had to change the pump and bolus for it and get it back down again. And, and if I looked at that graph, the way you were, I guess I could look at it and go, wow, look at this horrible 300 Arden had today. But I choose to look at it and go, wow, for 20 hours of the day, her blood sugar was like between 130 and 70. Yeah. You, you know? It's really about how you look at it. Right. And right. and I think you have to do that because otherwise you'll be like me and pretty much be crazy all the time. <laughs> well, you know? I can't take credit for this. It's because I'm a married man. I, I'm smart to high side whatever I can high side. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm joking. My wife is delightful, but, but, um, you, you know, like it's just, I think it just is, you know, not to get too far off the diabetes topic. And it's funny because I am so not this person in most of the walks of my life, but I've been a stay at home dad for over, geez, almost 16 years now. And, you know, I wrote about this in my book and I, 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 I very firmly believe this and it, it, it shaped the rest of my adult life is that, you know, you can oversimplify it and say, you know, you get what you get and don't get upset or some silly thing that somebody told you in fifth grade. But the, the honest truth is, is that, you know, I didn't imagine when I was 16 years old that most of my 20s would be spent in my living room raising a baby and doing the laundry. You, you know, and when it started off that way, when I was in my mid-20s and decided to leave my job and I was going to take care of Cole and Kelly would go off to Manhattan and work. And I was like, oh, I'm here. And in the very beginning, I was like, wow, is this how I'm going to toil away my life? And then it occurred to me that like, that's not what my wife would do if she was here. Like, She would just be so thrilled to be home being Cole's mom. And that not only was I kind of stealing something from myself, I was also stealing something from Cole and from Kelly. So Kelly was losing her opportunity to have this job. Uh, Cole was losing a parent who would joyfully be with him all day. And I was losing the ability to live my life happily. And so I quickly found a way to see like the good stuff in everything that was going on. And I did it more to save myself and my family than anything in the beginning, but it completely shaped my life. And I do genuinely believe that it's that attitude that's helped me with the diabetes when it came along years later. So, yeah, you know, I hope it helps you. I hope yeah. you get, I because yeah. your husband's so mellow. Why don't you rub, let it go the other way? Turn, flip the switch <laughs> yeah. the other way one time. Like, be like, look at how calm he is. 
I'm going to be calm you know, with him. Well, some of it is hardwired, you know, like sure. I, I was always an expressive sort of emotional person, but um, this kind of sent me over the edge just because of the way everything went down at the beginning and then not having the support and then feeling kind of bullied at work and, you know, trying to explain to coworkers too that I can't eat the pizza at lunch right now, but maybe in a month when I'm on fast-acting insulin, I can't. Like, it was just really difficult to explain an already hard-to-explain situation. Christine, I would like you to try to find a little bit of narcissism inside of yourself and embrace it and yeah. so, so that you don't feel like you need to explain anything to anybody. You, yeah, you, you know well, what I mean? Like, I, I, I can't tell you the... I, I grew, I, I've talked about it here before, but I grew up right outside of Philadelphia in the northeast of the country. And if I've gotten one amazing gift from growing up in this part of the country is that I can tell you that I'm a very feeling person. I, I have a lot of feelings for humanity and people I don't know and people I do know in the world. I really do. But I can put that aside in personal situations and tell you that I couldn't possibly care less about what my coworkers think of me. Or, yeah. you, you know, like, like, you know, it really, you know, you know, and not in a crazy narcissistic way where I'm like, that guy's not healthy. Because if I see myself doing something wonky in the world and somebody's like, I don't think you should be doing that, I take stock of that. But if I can see people coming at me from a crappy way, you know, in a non-productive way for me, I have the ability to look back at them and in my mind go, I honestly don't care what you think and I'm not going to spend any time worrying about what you think or trying to find a way to make you understand it. I just don't care if you understand. Well, I think that's kind of a lesson that diabetes has taught me too, to do what is right for myself first and not, not try not to care so much about what people are going to think of you because you're, you know, you have the confidence in yourself that you're doing what you need to do for yourself. And honestly, I quit that job. And that was the re one of the reasons I quit that job. But, um, you know, it, I just, I couldn't being in this. The other thing is when you're working a full-time job, you're there more than your home, sure. you know, so yeah, yeah, it's your you, life. People, you do see them every day and you eat lunch with them. And, you, you know, so I couldn't really get away from, I guess all the, the questions and I wish things. you would have called me, Christine. I would have come to work with you, walked around behind you. And every time someone <laughs> looked at you, I would have pointed over your shoulder and went, Christine doesn't care what you think. We're moving on. Yeah. And we would have kept, would have awesome. we would have just kept going. What's that? What happened to your grandmother's foot? Shut up. And then we just keep, <laughs> we keep moving and we keep moving and we keep moving. It just, yeah, that would have been great. It is just a, it really is just a mindset. And, 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 you know, I spent a lot of time trying to explain this to my older son about the internet. And, you know, he said something like, Oh, did you see like somebody tweeted, like somebody in my school tweeted this about this other person. Now this person's upset. And I said, you know, if the person who was being talked about never saw it, then it's as if it doesn't exist. And he said, well, but that person on the other side still has that feeling about him. I said, well, if he doesn't walk up to him and say it, it still doesn't exist. And I said, Cole, not everybody in the world likes you. And that's okay. Right. You know what I mean? Right. As a matter of fact, I look out into the world sometimes and I see certain people and I think, if they liked me, what would that even say about me? You know, like, you know, like, I don't want that person to like me. Like, if that person likes me, what vibe am I giving off? And, right. and so it is kind of hard to imagine having this kind of, like, 
feeling because I'm confused by my own psyche sometimes because I'm a very feeling person. And at the same time, I don't care. And that's a weird thing to mesh together. But, you know, if my wife was, you know, if my wife was sad about something I was doing, that would crush me. If my kids were, that would crush me. If my mom was, I would be horrified by that. If somebody who's in the world who I really love had had feelings like that, I would think, wow, I have to adjust myself. But, yeah. you know, if a, if, a, if a person on the internet says that they hate my blog and they don't think it does anybody any good, and I would go, oh, well, a lot of people do like the blog, so I guess it's just not for them. I don't even take that personally. I would just think that I can't make everyone happy, and why would I even bother trying? And, you know, it ends up being funny, but you can, you really could build a pretty successful life for yourself with all the little trite sayings that you see in memes. You know, like, it it really, it really isn't anyone's business. And who could possibly care what they think? And if they're, if they're busy coming up to you to tell you what they think you're doing wrong, they must just be black inside. Like, who cares? You you know? Yeah, it was very weird situation. Yeah, sure. But it kind of like I said, it, what happens to me now because I realize not everyone is like that, mm-hmm. but because I felt so attacked and kind of, like I said, bullied, um, somebody now will say something about diabetes to me, and I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Like, why would you say that? And right. then I have to realize, okay, this person means no harm. <laughs> and so now, wait, well, now no we're up to the to point. Yeah, now we're up to the point where you have to trust that you broke your leg, they put a cast on it, it's healed, and you can run around again. Like, you have to stop yeah. taking that first step, like, oh, I think my leg's going to break again. Because now, like you said, now you are in your own way of your, of happiness. So, right. yeah. Jeez, Christine, this went a completely different way than I imagined it was going to. This this turned into a therapy session for both of us. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's not bad, right? <laughs> no, I think it's fantastic. <laughs> I have no expectations. Uh, or very little expectations when we well, started. Well, you told talking. me not to prepare too, so. Yeah, yeah, I think not. Oh, being but prepared. I did practice seeing um, cannula. <laughs> so, so on my on my Facebook page the other day, I said that I really wish I could come up with another word for bolus. It's such an odd word, and I end up saying it like so many times a day. I wish there was a better word for it. And then in the course of that conversation, a couple people brought up words they couldn't say, and you said, "What were you saying, cannoli?" Is that, no. no, what were you saying? I think because I think let's because get you saying it wrong first. Time, of all. The first time I ever saw the word, I read it, and my brain said "canula" when I read it. And so when I'm talking and I'm not thinking about it, that's how I'll say you it. You say "canula," "canula" instead of "cannula." That's delightful. So, I think you should keep saying it like that. Right. Well, no, because I really practiced yesterday. I'm like, say it the right way. Say it the I right did say way. I was going to ask you to say it. Okay, so say it the right yep. way. Let me hear it. Cannula is the right way. You get a little, um, there's a, in the beginning of the word, I'm detecting a little Midwest, maybe Northern. I'm in Illinois. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our I, Northwest I, suburbs of Chicago. Yeah, I was going to guess like sort of the south part of Wisconsin. So I, I was pretty close. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we're yeah, really close. Yeah. So, okay. Um, all right, listen. You are a you are, but today you're Omnipod. You've got a Dexcom. You 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 put it back on. You said something that I wanted to. I kind of wanted to highlight, um, but you said that listening to the CCO of Insulet talk about Insulet made you feel better, and and I wanted to know how how so. 
Well, and it was the whole conversation, you know, between both of you, but it just reminded me of how, and same thing with listening to the Dexcom uh, podcast. I, it just reminds me again, to think about this differently, how wonderful the technology is. And I was getting frustrated just with sites not working or my pods failing or that kind of thing. And so to hear from the company and somebody who cares, and that's the other thing too, these people are really nice people. They seem to really care um, about what they're doing. And it just, again, it changed my perspective. And I got more excited to use the stuff that I'm thankfully able to to get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, I agree. I mean, um, it's it's if if they came on and they were like Scrooge McDuck, you'd be like, uh oh. <laughs> but but right, when you right. see when you see and it and listen, you, there are going to be people who listen to this and go, well, what's the company do? Going to come on and be negative? And I get that, but I I've, I've just spoken to these people enough, you know, and privately sometimes to set these things up. They're just decent people. Like everybody's just trying to do their best, you, you know, and, right. and maybe they don't all the time, but. But, you know, there's a lot of great advancements and a lot of great technology. And, you know, I spent um, some time yesterday speaking with um, with someone from the JDRF. And, you know, they were talking about, you know, artificial pancreas and, and you know, smart insulins and beta cell therapies and things like that. And it's just, you know, I put the podcast up and, it, you know... I, I'm excited that that's the way things are going. And then I saw someone online go, oh, great, exciting stuff I won't see for 15 years. And I was like, would well, you prefer they just didn't do it at all? But I, I remember thinking when I got my Dexcom, man, I just want it to go to my phone. And right. here I am. And, and it does that now. And <laughs> what, yesterday, guess what? It goes to my phone. So my, maybe it won't be perfect in, you know, Another three years, but, but it there'll be better. more advanced. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think people are doing the best they can with the with the restrictions they have on them from you know from government um, and from technology and and they're doing this fast. Again, you also have to remember these companies are they are for profit companies. They can't go broke. You know, they can't come up with a great idea and then run themselves out of business because that's not going right. to help you either. You, you know, you have right. to you have to see the whole picture and and it is frustrating a lot of the times, but. I think I find it comforting to know that there are smart people who are motivated by, um, you know, charity or money. I'm, I don't care that, com- that somebody's motivated by money and they want to make, you know, Dexcom better because they want to make a profit. Good for them. You know, go ahead and go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever gets you up out of, in the morning and, and gets you out there thinking about it, I'm, I'm all for. So, yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. You know, just go, go, go until you're uh, in, into, until you figured out something that's so cool that we don't, you know, we don't need it anymore, you know, and that's what, um, yeah, I mean, that's what you're shooting for. You're shooting for an algorithm in a, in a artificial pancreas that keeps you from getting low. Like that would be a great first step, you know? Yeah. Um, just that would be a big deal. I know everybody wants to get cured and I'm right there with you, but that's obviously not happening today. So we should at least well, keep looking at other things. And when you look at the advancements that just have come along in the last 10 or 20 years. I remember I was at um, a JDRF event and Gary Shiner was, uh, I think, the keynote speaker. And he showed us, he had there, you know, the old glucose meters and the old pump or the old technology. And and he's just so grateful that we have what we have now, you know, when you put it again in perspective. It's all about perspective. Yeah, it, well, and that's that is... 
I think what you've obviously learned, you know, recently in your life, and I think that the next time somebody hears from you, you know, once you're able to, to stop having a dramatic, you know, kind of skewed perspective response to something and you can start coming from the angle that's beneficial for you all the time, I think you're going to say to somebody one day, wow, diabetes gave me a perspective on life I maybe never would have got without it. And now I'm grateful for, for the experience. And yeah. I, I feel that way. And it sounds crappy to say because I would totally... I would trade anything for my daughter not to have type one, you know, and perspective would be the easy to trade away first. I'd prefer to walk around kind of ignorant and not paying attention to the world the whole way. Right. But, but, but at the same time, I can't lie and tell you any differently. Watching your child have a disease like this, it shows you the world in a different way, you know, and, and it is easier to live once you have that perspective, I think. So, yeah. I hope that for you. That's for sure. And I'm really glad you came on the podcast. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thanks for letting me. I, I wanted to get my story out there just for myself and also just to tell people, like, you need to advocate for yourself. Keep going back. Keep asking questions. Figure it out. Because it's, yeah, because you know, no one else is going to. are not always right. Right. And you could get a saltine nurse. And if that happens. Exactly. What are you going to do? Are you going to eat crackers? Um, I, I love that she told you not to eat crackers anymore. And then the next time you oh, called her for help, she was like, to her head that was kind of a high glycemic. I know, thing. but let's just yeah. make fun of her for being bad at her job for a second. Okay. okay. Yeah, okay. Totally. yeah. 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 <laughs> so, and so are you as nervous now as you were when we started? No, good. I'm, I'm good. There you go. That was excellent. I'm so happy you had a good time. Thank you. All right. I have no idea when this is going to post, uh, but when it does, I will certainly reach out and let you know. Sounds great. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you again. Uh, Christine, have a great day. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Juicebox Podcast. Find me on the internet, you know, social media at Arden's Day or at Juicebox Podcast. You can listen to the podcast at juiceboxpodcast.com or on iTunes or anywhere else that, you know, podcasts are available. Go back, look at the old ones, download them, love them. Leave great reviews and comments and stuff on iTunes. That stuff is great when you do that. What else? Thank you to Omnipod for sponsoring the episode. And hmm, getting closer to having a cool podcast giveaway, but I'm not quite there yet. Can't say anything yet. I guess I just did, but I didn't. See you next week. <laughs>